let's get scratching. We got an explosive broadcast coming to you. Listen up. Sega games, just keep playing them. Sega! We're back. It's the Sega Bit Swinger Report Show. Live. Get ready for Sega interviews and news. It's Swingin' Report Show Live. We are back. It's been a while. Uh, what's that song? It's been a while. Um, but we are here. I am in a new space. Uh, I am talking to a new person. And uh, it's all new. All 2023, even though I've been doing some stuff uh, in early 2023. But uh, I am talking tonight to Billy Time Games. We will call him Bill for the duration of this episode. And he is the, uh, I, I guess, the creator, the hacker of uh, Ghostbusters Special Edition. And I wanted to talk to him about um, how he went about creating this. I wanted to talk to him about uh, the whole ROM hacking community. But before we do that, I want to hear uh, from you, Bill. What was your first Sega console and game? Oh, easy. That was... Uh... A Sega Genesis, and details are a little fuzzy, but it has to be somewhere between Sonic 2 and Street Fighter 2 Special Champion Edition. I I love both those games, near and dear to my heart. Nice, nice. So, what what year did you get your your Genesis? Uh, if I was to guess, I would say 1998. We were we were late bloomers. Okay. As a matter of fact, we we bought it off of uh, a family friend for probably about like twenty bucks. Got a big box of games, uh, plugged that old school RF adapter. Um, had like Ren and Stimpy in the collection. I think like Mortal Kombat three, just a uh, several games. Nice. So yeah, I mean that's kind of the story a lot of people have uh, coming into the Genesis late. Um, and I think it's because Tom Kalinske was really pushing, uh, he was the CEO of Sega, at least in the early to mid-90s, he was really pushing that uh, the Genesis could maintain itself for a, a full decade. Uh, unfortunately, they pushed the Saturn, he left, and you know how things went from there. Um, but yeah, it really was kind of an evergreen console. It had a long life to it. Um, and did you did you find yourself really noticing uh, as you were playing these games, like some of the early titles versus some of the later titles, or they all just kind of mixed together for you? Um, yeah, I'd say so. There'd be some games that, like, even nowadays, I would see and be like, "Yes, I love this game." And then there'd be other days where, like, I go and see like another game and she'd be like. So where does um, where does Ghostbusters fall there? Did was this a game that you owned at the time? It was a game I still own, as a matter of fact. Uh, I've held on to my hard copy. Got it for about thirty bucks off of Amazon back in two thousand seven, uh, fifteen years ago. And uh, as a matter of fact, I have it uh, sitting in my office right next to my newly minted copy of Special Edition. I just got the uh, Master System version of Ghostbusters. Um, nice. I, I played Ghostbusters for the first time on Gen Syst back from Bloodlust Software 
of the old school Genesis emulators on DOS back in 2003. And I, I loved the game. Um, played it front to back. Um, and it was just... I don't, I don't know how, how to put it. It was just like one of those things where... From the moment go, it was... I was in love. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think something I find really interesting about the Genesis Ghostbusters, outside of being very different from every single other uh, version, it's not a different version. It's its own game. And I think that's what a lot of people forget when you see wiki entries for this. It's always uh, Ghostbusters on Genesis, Mega Drive, NES. And I'm like, no, no, no it's a completely different game. You're not, you shouldn't be bunching these together. And I, I think where it stands out is there aren't that many... Uh, platformers like it on the Genesis, um, especially licensed ones. It's it's forgiving. Uh, it has almost kind of a Mega Man vibe where you can pick where you go from the beginning. Uh, the item shop, it's very non-linear with the weapons and items. Um, the story's unique. It's not a retelling of any of the movies. And um, we actually, we do another podcast called Sega Talk where we do like a retrospective we go back we uh, talk about the development and the gameplay and something that really struck us when we were talking about um, Ghostbusters was that the the villain is like a friend of the item shop guy or the weapon shop guy I forgot which one it is and it's such a weird and kind of cool and, and out of the ordinary um, twist like I've never seen that happen in a game before where this NPC you haven't really thought much of is suddenly a part of the story mm -hmm. and i don't know it's it's a strange title but it's a fun title but it was always lacking something um and we'll get into that because you you actually released a uh a rom hack of this game and do you so for yourself do you term like the term rom hacker or is there like another title that you prefer hacker rom hacker um it doesn't really make too much of a difference. I, I enjoy either or. Mm. Now, what what would you say se uh, separates like a ROM hacker from a game developer? Do you see like crossover there? Maybe there isn't that much of a difference. It's all depending on what sort of work oh, you're no, doing I, at I, the time. I think there's a bit, a bit of a difference between a ROM hacker and a game developer. Uh, with a ROM hacker, we're just already working with a engine that's been around it has been documented a game developer makes everything from scratch and they have all these hoops and stuff to jump through so i definitely don't want to take anything away from game devs right but it, it's interesting it should be noted that some prominent uh developers sometimes get their start in rom hacking it's almost kind of where they learn the ins and outs and the basics uh one that comes to mind we've had him on the show in the past was um Stealth from Headcanon, who got his start doing a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog hacks, and then he went on to actually, you know, work on Sonic Mania, Sonic Origins, which is coming out, uh, the Plus version's coming out later this month. Uh, so, with with that in mind, like, do you know, uh, I guess, what, what, what sort of basics do you learn, and how do you teach yourself to get into this sort of thing? Like, is it do you go read tutorials? Do you just kind of go in and get your hands dirty and figure it out on your own? Like, where's the starting point? 
how I started, um, I was working with Super Nintendo a little bit. I was kind of hanging around the game FAQ forums talking to a gentleman named Jay Lucas because mm-hmm. we were working on uh, hacking the Super Nintendo game Adam's Family Values. And then right around, I'd say, March or May of 2020, I had a lot of time on my hands as a result of the initial lockdown from the, the COVID pandemic. Mm. And so I wanted to sink my teeth and I wanted to learn how 68,000 assembly worked as the main code for the Sega Genesis. So I wanted to start off small. Um, there was one game I really liked called Eternal Champions. And oh, yes. I figured maybe I could start off with something as little as making Game Genie codes. So I contacted Tony Hedstrom over on GameHacking.org. And he was very patient. He was very kind with me. And he just kind of walked me through some some things on how like simple addition, obstru- uh, subtraction works, how to utilize trace logs and uh, various debugging tools to find what I need to look for when I'm just kind of like digging through code rather than just kind of poking at stuff and just seeing what sticks to the wall. Mm. And then eventually I started getting good enough at it that I was able to start picking apart different system functions. And then, then I started getting into crazier and crazier things. (laughs) Yeah, I, I want to get into some of your other projects later in the show, but I did notice you definitely have an interest in kind of quality of life improvements, um, adding game saves, uh, password systems, things like that. Uh, I, I know from experience that I've downloaded, you know, my fair share of uh, games from the internet, and I've just recently starting to been starting to learn uh, that there's certain letters that designate what that ROM is. And I realized that a lot of the time I'm actually playing uh, manipulated or hacked versions of games this whole time that have actually improved the quality of life. And so when I'll hear people talk about certain games that I've experienced, they're like, oh, the health meter's terrible. I'm like, really? I had no trouble with the health. And I realized, oh, I've been playing someone's, uh, uh, you know, um, edited or manipulated version of the game. Um, so what's what are your thoughts on... Uh, just kind of as a service to to fans of the games and just creating like game saves in that sense um really my philosophy when it comes to hacking games is i don't necessarily like think about anything outside of my bubble i just kind of work on the hacks that i want to Mm. so i'll go and look through like my box of games, I've got like maybe about a hundred or so, some in box copies, some in loose copies, and I'll just kind of scroll through what I've got and be like, well, what, what did I like about this game? What did I not like about this game? Right. And sometimes it's as simple as that. Sometimes it takes like a couple weeks and I just, just kind of sit there and just think what I, what I could do next. Yeah, I, I always found it interesting, especially with like the um, early Genesis and Master System games, where they'd have high score modes, but it doesn't save your high score. <laughs> as soon as you turn off the console, it's gone. And so I think that's just that's a great addition to some of these games to be able to at least have a, a hack of that game that you can return to, and it maintains those scores. I actually have um, a 1950s pinball machine over here by me, and 
uh, along the side, I've never cleaned it off, is about a decade's worth of, of people in like the 80s and 90s writing their high scores on the side of the machine in pencil. Um, so it, it's definitely been a um, staple of video games that has... I think actually it hasn't gone away. It's become more prominent now, especially when a game first releases and people are like, I'm at the top of the scoreboard. So it's very cool to see something like that added in, you know, as just a nice personal thing for people to hang on to and have their high score handy with them. Um, now I have some gameplay footage playing. Uh, this is, comes her- courtesy of Hack Games Longplay channel. And people are going to be seeing uh, kind of an unfamiliar sight if they know this game. It's uh, Winston jumping around. <laughs> I just get a kick out of looking at him. Um, hopping around the big head little bodies, uh, like the Funko Pops of their time. These the, the art style of this game just gets me. Uh, but I want you to tell us a little bit about um, your Ghostbusters fandom uh, and like how into the franchise are you? Or is it more of a fan of this game in particular? No, I'd definitely say I'm a fan of Ghostbusters. I remember my earliest memories were from uh, the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Mm-hmm. I always like watching the intro. It was just such a fun kick in time. But eventually, like, I got into the movies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, loved all the actors, loved the the script and how everything played out. I loved the equipment that they use. And I don't know. I, I guess I could say I've just been a fan since I've been a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I... I was born in 84, so I've kind of come to really connect to the game because when there's an anniversary, it reminds me of how old I am. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit, I'm 39 this year? No! Um, but it it is a franchise that has always been with me, but it's definitely grown on me in recent years. Um, I have a, a five-year-old, and she just, like, really got into Ghostbusters, especially real Ghostbusters, and, you know, so I, I was like, well, there's a... a I'm not cutting the video yet because I don't want to screw the show up, uh, but there is a proton pack behind me that I actually, I did the uh, HasLab. Just, I couldn't say no to it. Um, and it's just, it's it's such a fun franchise. I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain. It's like, it's got a little bit of the lore like Star Wars does, but the comedy of Back to the Future, but it's like laid back like the movie Groundhog Day or something. It's just got all these odd, fun little elements like SNL meets like, ghosts and like action and adventure and it's just it's such a a strange franchise that no one's really been able to replicate um i've recently gotten to know people like uh, jason from ghostbusters news uh the people over at phantasm toys who do a lot of uh, custom toys and then uh uh, chris sorrentino of real ghostbusters Um, i have some of his art prints i've hung out with him once and he's a real cool guy so it's just it's such a chill community of people um and i'm sure you've noticed that like when when this game came out like it got a lot of attention um a huge reaction uh not just from fans but video gaming sites and nostalgia websites did that size of the reaction surprise you oh absolutely i uh (laughs) i was blown away it was just, it was wild to see sites like Bloody Disgusting going, oh, hey, remember Ghostbusters, Sega Genesis? Um, like, I always saw it as kind of a hidden gem, so to see all these people reacting to it kind of surprised me personally. Um, like, between us, no one's listening, uh, do you think a majority 
of the people reacting to this this special edition that you released ever actually knew about the game or that Winston wasn't in it? I feel like more people are suddenly remembering this game existed than I recall. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe it might just be like one half of, you know, folks didn't know that the game was there and then like the other half kind of remembered like uh, the AVGN talk about that mm. very briefly. Yeah, that's true. And so with that in mind, was was Winston's absence from the game really what made you want to create Ghostbusters Special Edition? Or were there other uh, things in the game that you just felt needed a little fine-tuning and finessing? Um, it started off with uh, Master Lin Kuei. He's one of the programmers for the project. He messaged me, and he had a little bit of interest in wanting to do it. And originally, it was just going to be like a quick sprite swap. And I had my initial reserves, like reservations on like, hey, I don't know if this is actually going to be a thing. And then I just, I think after maybe about a couple weeks of doing a little bit of research to like something click up in my head and I messaged him back and said, hey, I think we can do something with this. Hmm. And, you know, from there, um, it definitely snowballed into its own creation, so to speak. Now, on a technical level, is is the Ghostbusters game like easier to work with than, say, like a game like Sonic the Hedgehog? Is there are there some games that are just more difficult to to hack than others? How does that work exactly? Oh yeah, um, there's many different ways that you can approach assembly, and there has been many different ways that other developers have approached assembly. For example, hacking Ghostbusters will not be the same. Uh, an experience as say hacking Mega Man the Wily Wars for a couple different reasons. Uh, one is that the code structure is different because probably somebody took a different open-ended approach to programming the game, but also there's different things like um, graphics compression. And what really helped with Ghostbuster Special Edition was a good chunk of the graphics were decompressed and ready for us to work with and edit without having to go and get a third-party tool or mm. having to jump through hoops just to make something work. Interesting. So when when you were going through this, did you find that there were things that were just not possible? Like, um, for example, on, on the title screen, there's those three portraits that appear. Is, is there any possibility of adding characters to that or or in the select screen or is that kind of a limitation of the game um for the select screen at first we found a, a limitation as uh, the portraits are only loaded in once so when peter ray or egon select and they smile everybody frowns um those are already loaded into the graphics from the moment that the character select screen boots up so before hmm. you even pick a character that's all set in stone. So we didn't want to try and rewrite routines, graphic routines, and potentially mess something up. So it was my idea um, to go with this idea of having like a silhouette, just kind of like darken out like the, the character select portrait and mm. go from there. Um, I was heavily inspired by Street Fighter in that aspect because they have uh, the character uh, Akuma when you go to pick him he's got a completely shadowed out silhouette it was just like okay so we could kind of treat it like a like a secret character like street fighter right yeah and i noticed too that during the cutscenes, 
they're they're included either by taking lines of dialogue from other Ghostbusters or having um, Winston there in the background. So you will, and I mean, I, I don't think it's any secret to s- some people watching that uh, uh, Louis Tully is also unlockable, and he appears in the cutscenes as well. So uh, w- I'm assuming that was a bit easier to change up the cutscenes in that regard. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, from how that works, um, there's three the the three portraits are loaded in, and when Winston selected. Uh, it's literally just a, a RAM switch. It checks to see if there's a check in the the RAM to signify whether or not Winston or Lewis has been selected. So it'll load up an entirely different set of portraits from um, you know Peter and Egon to have mm. those guys in the conversation as opposed to the other two. And that uh, yeah. that also applies to like the main sprite set because when you have the in like in the internal game code, you have Peter, Ray, Egon, and then we have an entirely different sprite set where it's uh, Lewis, Ray, and Winston. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually. I was just showing now here. So in that that one scene where they're all standing in the firehouse, is that like a static scene, or is Winston standing in the background there? Is he like a separate element of that? We actually we redid. Um, that whole um, segment, it's done in a couple layers. You have, like, the actual firehouse, and mm-hmm. then you have, like, um, the three Ghostbusters, Winston, and I think, like, the Tetra screen on the computer is, like, a separate layer altogether that goes over the, the firehouse graphics. Hmm. So we redid that entirely just so we could include Winston, and then we had to play with it on a technical level because it only gave us like so much screen space to work with so we had to expand the amount of space we were allowed so to speak right yeah i'm gonna be saying that so to speak (laughs) (laughs) so i apologize in advance oh that's fine i mean i i i'm glad you added them back in because if you play the game the story kind of picks up after the first movie and they're they're talking about how they need work and it Winston's not in the entire game, so it's like kind of the sad uh, what-if story where the Ghostbusters like fired Winston right after the first movie, and it's just to not see him there is so odd. Um, we've on our when we did our Sega Talk episode, we kind of speculated that perhaps it's a Japanese thing or it was a, a limitation with the game, but it it was very odd to see him omitted. But we've seen him omitted in other things like the poster. Uh, VHS box art, things like that. So it, it very well could have been contractual, but this did come well after the first movie. Um, I think this game came out, what, 1990, 1989? 1990. So, yeah, no excuses. Um, but yeah, let's talk about some of the secrets here. So if people download this, they'll get a uh, text document. And so you actually there's like a very handy numbered list of secrets is this isn't all of them though correct i I was actually just gonna keep them hidden but at the end of i was like i I had a change of heart i'll i'll give give everybody the goodies but i that should be the end all be all of all the secrets so it's one of those things where like open at your own peril right right well um if people listening don't mind we'll go through uh some of them here and you can just tell us either some development stories, your thought process of including these, um, whatever comes to mind. Uh, The big one, number one, is director's cut mode. 
So this has saves disabled. And can you explain, too, the difference between the ectoplasm patch and the, uh, what, what would you call it, like the, the normal special edition? Uh, that's simple. Um, I did the pure patch for speedrunners. I've been talking to a few uh, folks uh, that have an entire forum on speedrun.com. They wanted to be able to run the game at uh, GDQ eventually, so I'm hoping to see that in, in the future. I hope I didn't spoil that <laughs> for anybody in the future. Um, so what I wanted to do was something for them where we would have like the, the new characters, but we wouldn't go so far to deviate from the original gameplay. So that came down to having the original health values for, say, like the coffee cups or... You know, just leaving bugs or anything, <laughs> anything as it was, just completely right, yeah, untouched gameplay. That's interesting. You mentioned that because the coffee cup was a big thing. That the first big change I noticed outside of playing as Winston, because if you play the the original version of the game, there's these coffee cups, and they take I don't know how many shots, but it's insane amount of shots. They're not really dangerous. They're just moving in a circle. Uh, but you stand there for the longest time shooting at these coffee cups, and you you corrected that, so now they break much quicker. And it's just, it's it's I don't know, it's just a nice quality of life improvement. Um, I just didn't think Bulger's was that strong. Yeah, I know. good one. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's just such an it was an oddity. Like it was kind of a fun little thing. You're like, if you show the game to someone, you're like, hey, guess look at how strong the coffee cups are. They're the strongest enemy in the game. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so director's cut mode. You hold B, C, and left, and press start at the title screen. Uh, when you implement these sorts of things, like, does it really depend on what the... Could you dictate anything would start it up? What was the... Like, B, C, left, and start is uh, oddly specific. Like, are you... Do you have to use those sorts of uh, codes? How does that work? Oh, yeah. Um, it does that... Um, I think there's, like... A check for every cheat code and every button combination when you go to hit that start button. There's one to check if you're loading the game. There's one if you're entering nightmare mode. There's one if you're entering a secret code. And I coded it to be uh, specific just because it was just easier that way and I could keep account of all the different button combinations. Because uh, we were on hiatus when I started coding all the cheat codes. Okay. And I really, really wanted to have a lot of fun with this game because um, it was one of those things when I'm done with it, you know, there's a good chance I'm just going to be done with it and not come back to it. So I really wanted to make this hack in particular count because when we first made the announcement that the hype train was real, we, we had uh, <laughs> pro wrestler Kenny Omega reach out and say that this project looked awesome already. And like all we had was a screenshot. That's great. Yeah, I remember that. That was that tease was from quite quite a long time ago. So you really you started with nothing but a screenshot, and that's you already started to see the uh, excitement that people had. I think we even like newsed it or something like that. But um, yeah, looking so looking at director's cut mode, um, it has an overpowered Winston stats restored. So what what's that all about? He's High speed, high stamina. He's he's high all around. Oh, yes. Um, when we first started programming this, um, 
Yeah, let me let me see that. Sorry, my uh, my daughter just walked in. I'm just gonna turn that down. Oh, I turned that off. When we started working on the project, we were going to have Winston be completely overpowered. He was going to be stronger than all the Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. In the sake of balance, we kind of toned him down to okay. um, just so he didn't eclipse the other Ghostbusters, but still kind of have him be his own thing. Right. Um, I also wanted to have each Ghostbuster have like character-specific perks. Uh, Ray, for example, was going to have um, infrared goggles. He's going to start off with nine of them. Egon was going to have phaser shell right from the rip. And then we were going to have Peter, who's just Peter. This was before mm -hmm. you know we were going to have uh, Lewis in the game. So there wasn't really much thought past that put in there. And um, eventually, like, getting towards release... I kind of had second thoughts on uh, having all this extra stuff. And I'm like, you know, what if they don't like the changes? You know, maybe I should just kind of dummy this out last minute. I know, like, I promised that this was going to be in here. So this was a way for me to compromise. Okay. So I, I could have all these extra features in the game without them interfering with the game itself. And that just kind of kind of worked out. So with the base game, uh, the original release, was it a very balanced game? Because I I recall that like picking one over the others made it just a better experience. It never really seemed like a very balanced game in that regard, outside of just giving you more of a um, difficulty level, basically, by having kind of a, a stunted uh, Ghostbuster. <laughs> I, I guess I just tried to just keep it from... Um being overpowered and just being a cakewalk i just kind of mm. wanted to like bring some of it back down to earth so it was a little bit more than just a, a leisurely stroll right. that was one thing I've, I've worked on uh in my uh hacking career is just trying to find that right amount of balance so it's not too overpowered but it's not cheap and unfair right right and the, the extra items too were a great touch just because it's it's nice to have that perk. Um, Unlimited Bombs was another addition. That was a very popular one, I remember, with uh, Game Genie. Um, I always would implement that. It's just so fun to, you know, just constantly have the bombs going off. Uh, but again, the saves are disabled, and this is uh, on Ectoplasm Patch only. A lot of these are Ectoplasm Patch only. Um, did you look to, like, Game Genie codes that you enjoyed in the past and just thought it's better to have those implemented as cheats. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I figured too, um, it better to be, you know, to have those than to have somebody just kind of dig through the game code. That way, right. um, I don't know, just kind of, just something, something fun, something extra for the, for the mm. player. It was a little bit more accessible to folks, especially since, like, I, I don't even have a game genie myself. Mm. I used to. Yeah, they're, they're great for the Tower of Power, but I would, <laughs> um, I would always default to uh, doing unlimited bombs, unlimited health on this game, uh, and I, I think there was one with, like, a lot of money, just because it, it is a really fun game, but it, if you just want to sit down and just, like, chill and enjoy it it's it's not it's not for that it's it's a little unforgiving you definitely need to manage money uh things like that 
And so I appreciated to, I'll just roll through these real quick, unlock all weapons and uh, double proton pack damage. So just some easy ways to make the game a little more accessible for people. I really appreciated those. Now let's get to number uh, five here, the message from Carpathia. This was a really funny addition. Uh, you want to talk to me about what led you to implement this? Um, originally, I wanted to add a harder difficulty. I'm not sure what possessed me huh, uh, to do that, but I just kind of went with it, and I used a program called Add Introgen. Uh, I had a custom one that was built for me by Arcade TV, and his work was absolutely instrumental in some of my formative hacks, and I, I can't thank him enough for just just the tool alone. Mm. But we use this program, so when you go to hold the B button, you're greeted by a message. I took the graphics of Vigo from, I believe, Ghostbusters 2 on NES, <laughs> and I colored it myself in uh, Paint.net, and then using this tool, we implemented it into the game to make it look like it was an actual cutscene that you would see, right. where... Vigo would challenge you to take on nightmare mode. And that that was pretty much it. I just wanted to have an excuse to have Vigo there. <laughs> just just pull in anything and everything that wasn't nailed down in as far as Ghostbusters lore to truly make this special. Right. And then nightmare mode itself. Uh talk a little bit about that. That is I did not make it far. Um, what, what's it like implementing a super hard mode in a game that never had one? Um, like all the other cheat codes and whatnot, there's um, all sorts of checks in the game's RAM. Uh, going between like transitioning from, say, like over to the firehouse, going into a level. Um, this one uh, in particular, this will take away all your lives, all your continues. Um, it will bring your health cap lower than what you would see over in hard mode. The game is set to hard mode. And um, I, I believe that's all the changes I implemented. Oh, it takes away uh, your inventory too. So like uh, the peaking duck, the bombs, the infrared, all, all the money that you have. Takes away everything. Hmm. And um, I had to put a check in there to make sure that and really, really make sure that this wouldn't accidentally trigger during normal gameplay because we've bug tested this, I think, 200 times. And there there was one time where <laughs> I would go to play like on normal or easy and, oops, I accidentally activated nightmare <laughs> mode. Right. I'm in trouble. <laughs> and so how do, you, how do you make it so that the enemies have different movement patterns? Like, I, I honestly know very little... Uh, about, I guess, I don't know if you even call it AI, but like how enemies operate in games of this era. Um, how do you make it so that they're more difficult to players? Like, how, how does that work exactly? Well, for, for the Nightmare Mode, we still kind of kept it at, at hard mode. That much is untouched. It's just that we gave you less to work with. So it's definitely... Um, a mode where you kind of have to claw yourself out of a bad situation okay. and just kind of work from there. So it's a little more uh, inventory intensive rather than um, 
just difficult from the get-go. Mm. And I, so I guess that's... Yeah. Yeah. So there, it's, there, it's there more are of ways... An, oh, I'm like sorry. A, it's like a money and, and item management nightmare, if anything. And yeah, then, you had to search off. And the, I could have sworn, the enemies, are are they a little more difficult at all in nightmare mode? Oh, I... I I know in hard mode they take more hits and they're a little bit more aggressive. That's uh, what I little remember pink experiencing. Floating ghost that when you first enter um, home sweet home, uh, they usually fire one uh, pellet at you on normal and easy. And here in hard mode they'll shoot two instead. I gotcha. Okay, yeah, that's what I was experiencing, and it was um, it was too much for me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you also have a really cool addition for fans, I guess. Of you'd say the. the real Ghostbusters, where they get these alternate colored jumpsuits. So you have pink, red, and green. And these are uh, selected at the character select screen. I did notice, too, that it would also alter colors um, throughout the game for select items or select uh, text. So I'm presuming this is what uh, would be like a palette swap, correct? There, There is uh, several checks in the game to uh, adjust palette-wise... Mm. Um, and they, they do affect like the, the HUD during main gameplay, like the candelabras and whatnot that you would see, or I'm sorry, the chandeliers in like home sweet home, for example, because a lot of that uses, uh, the, the same palette. Um, the, the, the whole palette system was inspired by street fighter yet again. Okay. And I, I again, I had a lot of time on my hands. There's probably about, <laughs> let's see here, 60, 18, like maybe like 24, checks overall in terms of palettes because wow. we need to make sure that uh, the palettes were accounted for in the firehouse on the i've got it screen um in normal gameplay and winston has his whole entire uh set of palettes just just to accommodate for just him yeah and i wanted to bring that up too so you it's a game with um three white characters and then you're adding a black character in so in that regard are uh ray peter and egon all pulling from the same color then or color palette is that how it would work um in the normal firehouse scene yes in actual gameplay no we have an extra set of color palettes to account for winston's skin and so there were some hurdles to get around that just to make sure it didn't mess with the graphics uh, at some integral parts of uh, the gameplay. For example, uh, when you go to enter the castle with Winston and Lewis, the cutscene with Arthur is bypassed because okay. they both share the same palette, but we couldn't compromise um, having them with separate palettes. So we just kind of worked past that but we did figure out how to use a separate palette for when you go to fight the possessed ghostbusters and again it has that ram check in there so thankfully there is no issues with running into a ghostbuster that shouldn't appear you'll either see ray peter egon you won't see any of the secret characters so with the knowledge that you you gain from working on this project would you say that they had no excuse to add him to the original game, had they the chance? Uh, I don't know if I can really uh, 
excuse anything. I mean, I, I didn't really, <laughs> I wasn't there when, when they made it. But right, to, right. to be honest, I, if you were to ask me what my opinion was, I would say they just didn't have space with what they were given to work with. Mm. Uh, the, the 512 KB ROM, or I think it's like 4 megabits, right. uh, what they would call it, um, there is simply just no room to work with. We expanded the ROM to a 8 megabit or mega power, uh, one, 1 megabyte, in order to fit everything that we wanted to. And we still have room if we wanted to fit more in there. It's just we just kind of stuck with what we had and called it a day there. Right. Right. Okay, that's fair. So it, it very well could have been a time issue, a memory issue. Um, going back here then to the uh, list of secrets. Uh, I see two here. Mr. Stay Puffed image as well as an Ecto Cooler recipe hidden. One's hidden in the graphic editor, one's hidden in the hex editor. How would someone, uh, how would a dummy like me like find these things? I mean, on the technical side of things, if you were to use a graphics manipulation program like um, YYCHR to go and take a look inside the internal graphics, you'll find that headed towards the end of the ROM. We took the uh, graphics for Mr. Stay Puff, just smiling, just left him there. <laughs> just to kind of potentially scare somebody. Okay. And then uh, we have the... Here we go. It's at towards the end of the ROM in a hex editor. Uh, the Ecto Cooler recipe that I found from San Diego Ghostbusters. And I'll actually read it to you now. Uh, per serving, four cups Tampico Citrus Punch, one cup Minute Maid Lemonade, and then after you get done making all the servings, add a drop or two of green food coloring, and then you just stir. I've made that. <laughs> it, it's great. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, when I found out Walmart had that, I bought like three bottles, and then I was like, how am I going to get through this? I only wanted one cup. But yeah, it it definitely tastes like the original thing. That's really cool. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe someday this this ROM will be all that survives, and people are like, going to find this uh, Ecto Cooler recipe thousands of years from now. Uh, that, that was um, the idea. <laughs> I knew it. Um, <laughs> another bit here, you have bonus money. Again, that's kind of a quality of life thing. And then a region switch. So what is this region switch and how would that affect the game? Uh, this was a code that we got off of, I want to say it was like the cutting room floor. Master Lin Kuei presented that. And it was like, yeah, we restored all the uh, the cheat codes from the, uh, the original Japanese version. Um, as far as I know, I don't think there's any region locking to the game. I think really the only thing that would interfere with being able to play this on a Japanese or European console would probably be the shape of the cartridge itself more than anything. Um, so I haven't really found a use for it. Uh, the, the money code, though, I definitely had to make sure that that counts as an active cheat. So, uh, <laughs> right. so nobody uh, can use that to cheese any of... Uh, the game saves or nightmare mode or anything in between right right and then going along with that you also have infinite lives infinite health which um i'm sure are not new to people who played this game on the game genie and then of course we have uh another playable character we've mentioned him a few times here lewis tully so he's 
um, kind of a almost like a joke character just because of his, his low stamina, low speed. But it's so fun to play with him. He's got the little earmuffs. Um, <laughs> why, why did you add him? I mean, I know why, because it's Lewis, and Lewis is great. But um, what was the genesis of Lewis being added to the game? Um, new Ghostbusters 2. I... Yeah. I wanted to have something as close to that experience as possible. That was another Ghostbusters game that's near and dear to my heart, and I always thought that it was awesome that it gave you just this wide selection of Ghostbusters to use. But I also, I, I'm not a fan of just simple sprite swaps, mm. so I wouldn't put somebody in the game for the sake of them being there. I kind of wanted them to have some sort of purpose or functionality to them. Um, so I made Lewis absolutely terrible. So he has the worst damage output. I think Egon, if he gets hit, he takes, um, four, four points of damage. Lewis is Mm -hmm. five and I gave him raise speed. So the idea was have this inexperienced Ghostbuster pair that with nightmare mode. And now you have the ultimate challenge. Right, right, and that's that's where I really saw that the um, differing stamina, stamina and speeds really come into play well there because it is, I mean, obviously it's it's a gimmick to play as Lewis, but it's also fun because it's you get the the thrill of seeing him go through some of the most difficult areas, and you're like, wow, I made it as Lewis um, in his earmuffs. I never knew why he wore earmuffs, but in any case. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's that's the list I have here. Is there anything I missed in terms of um, additions or changes to the game? Wasn't there a musical cue that was new to the game, or was that just me? Yes, uh, Master Lin Kuei added that one, and there's a little jingle when you're going to enter uh, a new case, and that was taken from towards the end of the game when you had the mayor's assistant barge into the uh, the firehouse. Okay. okay. And it was, so, uh, it just really kind of like helped build to the, the tension. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it because that was one of the, one, one of the other early additions that I noticed. And it's just, um, I don't know, it, it's just, it's a different addition. It's, it's something my ears were not expecting. Um, speaking of things that you listen to in the game, have you ever listened to the, uh, demo tracks that the, um, original composer for the game put out on youtube not too long ago oh several times yeah yeah what are your thoughts on those they're very interesting right oh yeah no they that they didn't sound uh anything like their in-game counterpart but i will say i absolutely love the apartment theme both in-game and the demo track it is the the music of the game is just like unbelievably uh catchy and good i mean there's a reason why a lot of uh Ghostbusters YouTubers actually stick it in their uh, videos behind while they're talking because it's just I, I don't really know what else the um, composer of the game actually worked on uh, outside of Ghostbusters, but it is it is really next level, especially for a licensed game. Which I, I feel like I say a lot when it comes to this game, just because y- you don't expect so much uh, love and care to go into a licensed game at this time, especially something coming out six years after the the original movie came out. Um, I'm looking here, yeah, so it was uh, 
what is this? Uh, Kazuhiko Nagai, and it was his music demo tracks. We have them up on the site. October 13th, 2020 was when uh, we news them. But yeah, outside of that, I think he worked on um, the Mega Drive release of Rambo 3, as well as the game Mystic Defender. So yeah, it's it's very interesting to hear demo tracks of Genesis music. Was there anything in there that, I mean, if you had all the time in the world, would you ever go back and do any other musical or sound effect uh, additions or alterations? Um, I don't know. I don't think I would. I kind of liked uh, the music and the sound design just the, the way it was. Yeah, you can't mess with a good thing. Um, <laughs> so, that's cool. So, if people want to play this game, they um, there's there's a process to it, right? I know the ROMs are out there, but you can actually also get a base ROM uh, and and apply this to it. How, do, how does one go about that? Um, ROMhacking.net has an online patcher, which helps automate the process. So, basically, you provide the ROM, you go and you can patch... Uh, your ROM through the web browser, which I think okay. is a great addition that they've added over the past two, three years or so. Maybe maybe a little less. But what you'll need is just the ROM that's stated in the README file. I'm not going to tell anybody where to get it or how to get it, but right, right. assuming that you have your hands on it, you just run it through the online patcher. It'll give you either a red X to signify that you got the wrong ROM or a green check mark to signify that you got the right one. And then from there, you just simply hit patch, and you're off to the races. And that's kind of a way to keep everything above board with the ROM hacking. I know uh, companies like Nintendo, <laughs> they um, are not very friendly to that. Um, I want to step outside now of uh, Ghostbusters um, and talk about some of your other projects. Um, do you have any favorites? Uh I know you did Sonic 1 Emerald Safari recently. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I, I ended up uh, doing that one out of uh, hope to getting all three Sonic games with these new mechanics. And I was thinking of, like, the Infinity Gems. I'm a big uh, Marvel guy, mm -hmm. and that was something that inspired me was the, the idea of, like, the Infinity Gems and collecting them and gaining all these extra powers. So it was just some random eureka moment I had during the course of my day where I said, well, what if Sonic got these um, Chaos Emeralds and they actually did something individually rather than collectively? Interesting. You know, I don't want to blow your mind, but I think that's what Sonic Superstars is going to do. Ooh. If I, if think, I beat him um, to the punch, that's, that's going to be something. <laughs> I think you might have because I was watching the trailer and I think you get new abilities from the emeralds. So there's like a like a multiple Sonics and then like Sonic turns into water. So yeah, yeah, you were you were ahead of the curve there. Um, so people can find you, of course. Uh, we have a link in the video description here at uh, romhacking.net, and uh, if you want to get specific, it's slash community slash. 5637, that's your address there. Um, and there's there's a lot here. There's uh, Super Hang-On, uh, Sonic, Vector Man, Sonic 2, which also has an Emerald Safari. Um, and then, of course, Ghostbusters Special Edition, which we've been talking about here. 
Um, people can also find you on Twitter, correct? And then you have a YouTube channel. Uh, did I miss any other social pages where people can find you? Uh, no, I think everything's covered there. Um, I will say, though, I, there are some other projects that I have floating around uh, through my YouTube channel via archive.org that mm. for just reasons being, uh, you know, doesn't apply to the romhacking.net policy or just doesn't really, like, fit anywhere else um, is available in those locations. Like, for example, I have uh, Sega Channel Revival, which is a complete offline version of what or basically a reconstructed offline version of Sega Channel, a re-envisioning, if you will. And um, just with the nature of how those are built and how those are distributed, those are off in a faraway land. But also, <laughs> I have um, my first ever homebrew I did and uh, released April 1st, Ultimate Marvel Quiz Quest. That started off as a Super Mario World hack, where I turned that into a Marvel trivia game. I ported that over using a visual novel engine oh wow uh i have the source code and the latest version of the game available through my youtube as well and i i <laughs> went all out i worked on that all month i did all the art i wrote the stories i came up with like 30 different stages there's about 240 some odd questions i could be wrong with that number oh, wow so there, there's a lot to sink your teeth into. And I even designed a brand new password system. And there's several Easter eggs in there. There's probably, I'd say there's probably just as many uh, secrets in that game as there is Ghostbusters. That's awesome. So people can find that at your YouTube channel? Yepers. That's awesome. Well, great. Well, uh, before we close out, I'm going to switch over to the video. Hopefully it doesn't cut you off. Let's see. I think people can still hear you. So, yeah. So, again... Uh, I just want to thank you so much. And then I had a few Ghostbusters shout-outs. Um, I mentioned him uh, earlier in the show, uh, my friend Chris from Real Ghostbusters, R-E-E-L. Um, he's going to be at the actual firehouse in New York on Saturday. They're doing an event there, and he's going to be selling and giving away um, prints, I guess. So he's got he's done some of these, so I'm holding them up. Uh, Ghost Fever Grips New York. He likes to redraw scenes from the movies with the uh, real Ghostbusters characters. So uh, he's a great artist. You can check his stuff out. Um, and Billy, too. Uh, I just really appreciate your work on what you did with what I would consider probably my second favorite game next to Sonic 2, Ghostbusters for the Genesis. Um, I was going to note, too, I actually I bought this used, um, I think, like alongside Sonic 2. And by used, I mean like, a week after Sonic 2 came out, I went to the store, I wanted to buy it, and they had Sonic 2 used, and they also had Ghostbusters used. And the funny thing is, um, if you look at the back of the game, it actually has the name of the place I went to, and if you can't see it, it's Game Busters. And so I bought my copy of Ghostbusters from Game Busters. So, kind of fitting. Um, <laughs> but anyway... Uh, do you have any plans for Ghostbusters Day? Are you going to do anything Ghostbusty, or is this a, this the extent of your busting? Yeah, I, I think this is the absolute uh, <laughs> limit of where it's all going today. Yeah. But yeah. I, I was very excited to be on here today. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And actually, I wore the shirt. Um, this uh, came love from it. Phantasm Toys. They have them up on their site. But yeah, I, no, I, I, I worked my way at getting one of those. On. 
Yeah, you need to get one. I mean, maybe you hack Winston into it. How do you hack a shirt? I don't know. Ooh, uh... <laughs> but um, the last question I was going to ask, do you have any future revisions planned for this game? Is is the version out there the final version, or is there more to come? Um, For now, I'm going to say this is the final version. Um, you know, definitely one of those things, if, if we have something to really work with... Um, We'll definitely come back to it. I myself, if we ever do come back to it, I have some pretty gnarly ideas as to what to add. Definitely another character for sure. Janine? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amy mm-hmm. Rose is getting all this play nowadays. you got to give Janine some play. But yeah, that would be sweet. I'm looking forward to that. Well, never say never. I'd like to see I'd like to see some more um, surprises in this game, but maybe we can stick Paul Rudd in there and get some press <laughs> when, when the next Ghostbusters game, movie comes out. You never know. Um, but hey, thank you so much again. Like I said, it's uh, Billy Time Games. Check them out on romhacking.net, and we'll have the links in the description below. Thank you so much for taking the time to jump on and talk about Ghostbusters Special Edition. And have a great night, everyone. And we'll see you next time on the next uh, Sega Talk. We're doing that next week. It's a surprise. I don't know what it is. And uh, the next Sega Bit Swing and Report show, uh, I think we're going to have... I think I have their game back here. Let me get it. I think we're going to have an uh, uh, indie developer on. We're going to be talking about Red Moon... Lost Days, and this is the first uh, commercially released Sega Saturn fan game, which is just wild. So uh, hoping to have them on uh, next month. We're also going to have Sega 16's Ken Horowitz is going to come back on. He wrote a fantastic book about, um, I believe, Bally Midway Pinball. I'm just starting to read it now, so it's going to be great times, lots of uh, retro talk here on the Swing and Report show. So have a great night. And uh, any closing words, Billy? What would the Ghostbusters say? I don't know. Uh, I, I've got a quote of my own. Okay, You go can for do it. anything in this world as long as you're willing to put your mind to it. Wise words. All right. Good night. <laughs>